All right, Josh, welcome here to Mixed Messages. I am honored to be here, to be honest. I love it, man. It's great. The cool thing about your and I's story here out of the gates is we're a couple of guys who just sat down at the bar next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I've never had that here on the show, right? I've had friends, I've had my lover, I had other people who've come on, my kids, but I've never just had the chance to do the whole belly up to the bar, have a conversation with a good man, and then all of a sudden go, hey, we have more to talk about. Why don't we do it on the podcast? Yeah, it's definitely a breath of fresh air for both of us, I think. It's my first time being on a podcast, and your first time meeting some black guy at a bar and bringing him here on your show. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Don't be so sure of yourself. All right. At a bar. I'm an eccentric. At a bar. At yeah, a bar. Maybe. Not yeah, just exactly. a black guy. That's true. All that. Yeah. So you have a philosophy background. I do. I do. I studied philosophy for four years. Funny thing about that is it didn't turn into a philosophy degree until the very last semester of my time at my college, high room college. The classes just kind of rolled together in such a way that that's just how it ended up. Yeah, I think my counselors introduced me to a couple of philosophy courses. They said, hey, they'll cover a writing course here, a critical thinking course there. And then as I took more, I loved it. And it just kind of went from there. What drew you in the most, like as far as the philosophy part of it all? As smart as everybody was in all of those classes, Everybody thought they were the dumbest one in the class. Mm, that's a cool treat. Yeah. Wow. And me, personally, thinking I'm the actual dumbest one in the class. I'm some kid from the South. These are all Northerners who grew up around the area. And really, I'm there to play sports. But most people in my life thought I was a deep thinker, or maybe thought a little too much in my life. But now I'm in a class where it's like, hey, you're allowed to think. It's okay. And speak it out loud. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And and then hear other people's points of view. Right. And then respect other people's points of view. Absolutely. Or even debate them, but do it in a way that's polite, if you will, or at least. Healthy. It moves the conversation. It allows for new thoughts to come in. I never felt like any thought that I had was going to be roadblocked at all. It was always really refreshing going to any of those classes. Even the classes I thought were mad boring, once the conversations start rolling, it's like, huh? You get back to your dorm room, like, wow, I could really either use this or start up a conversation somewhere else. And as an athlete, I think it's there's a stereotype out there that people think that if you're there to play ball, then, you know, class is just something you're doing to just kind of get through the program, right? Sure. And yet you hope to think that there's this neat experience that can happen where you go there for the athleticism, but then you actually get an enriched education where you come out a more whole human when the whole experience is done, not just a victorious athlete. Right. Can you speak on that a little bit? Oh, yeah, sure. And especially being from down here in Florida and going to a high school that was very rich in athletes and just an area that has a lot of really prominent athletes. I mean, I think Lee County in general is, is a bit of a sleeper county when it comes to athletes and what they do and what they do when they come back to the community. Yeah, the stereotype is definitely, hey, you're an athlete, you go to this college, whether it's a big time college or a small college, as an athlete, and the class is just a byproduct of that. At the end of it all, what was really cool for me to sit back and reflect on something like that was I don't particularly get to use my athleticism or my knowledge about the sport that I played in my life specifically. I do coach football now, and I do use my knowledge of the sport for the young men that I do coach. But for me specifically, I got more, way more out of the classroom. Well, I would say they're about equal as far as discipline and, and stuff like that. But ultimately, just the way I'm able to maneuver through life and experience people, I think the classroom just was lights out for me, to be honest. Wow. That's cool to hear out loud. Yeah. And I can imagine, right? I mean, you kind of can see the 
cool sport movies that are like all the things that people learn and men learn and women learn in sports. Yeah. But really, how much do they actually do get back out to your regular life? You know, how much right. do they help you with your marriage? How much does those skills help you with making your community stronger and better or dialoguing with someone like myself, right? I mean, they're kind of narrow, I would think. And so this really opened you up and made your life much more expanded. For sure. And you've been able to utilize it. For sure. So are you dating now or? No, not particularly. I shouldn't say I've never dated because I, I have, but I've never been in anything long-term. And you're 27 now, is that right? 26. 26. Just recently turned 26 a few months ago. All right, so we have a very handsome man here, totally got it together, cool, articulate cat, who's just not made dating a big priority in his life. <laughs> and he's 26. I'm not trying to pimp him out, I'm just saying. But that's a cool thing to hear. So you've had a couple of, of relationships. So what were they like? So my first relationship was... How do I explain this without sounding, well, you know what? Screw it. Who cares how I sound? I, um, Just say I, was, it. I was a dumbass in that first relationship. Okay. I was a bit of a dumbass. She was a really nice girl. Um, this was right before my senior year of college. I knew that she liked me a year prior, but I wasn't too interested at the time. Fun fact, I didn't lose my virginity till I was 21. Mm. And I was 21 when I started seeing this girl and she's who I lost it to and she was a great person, but I was so, uh, I was just so blinded by having lost my virginity and feeling like I'm a big bad athlete at the time, you know. Kind of showboated a little bit there or whatever and got cocky or something or just kind of got insensitive or how did it show up? Uh, I think I just got comfortable in thinking that because this was like, not the first girl to like me, but to the first girl to blatantly show any sort of concern for me and wanting to be with me that I kind of took advantage of that for sure. And I own that simply because I was new to being in any sort of relationship at that point. Because yeah. I'll be honest, my mother kind of made me scared of sex. <laughs> I bet she did. <laughs> I bet she did. <laughs> She's one of those like, if you have sex, you're going to die. You'll die right away. It's going to just clamp down on you and it's all over. Yeah. Your whole life will be over. <laughs> yeah. Although I, well, I knew that wasn't true. There was still that fear of, mm, what if I have a heart attack? And yeah, who right. Knows? And so how long did that one last? I would say three months. Three months, yeah, basically a whole summer. Summer love when you yeah, lost his virginity, man. 21, to a, to a good girl, sounded like. Oh, yeah, she's a lovely girl. She's got a lovely fiancé, I believe now. They have a young son. Uh, they're beautiful. I'm so happy for her. It's, it's amazing, honestly. And it's funny, later in life, as I reflected on that, I was like, wow, I actually, because I'm, I'm not a bad guy. I think just within the realm of relationships, I just wasn't a good guy for her. And then she found a good guy and they, I mean, they're beautiful. That's awesome. Well, we're not taught a lot of skills on how to be in a relationship, right? right? So, I mean, it's not, it's not school for that, you know? So that's why we do it here now, even to see, you know, the, the messy and what we got through. So then what, who else? Um, college was just kind of, you know, college had a few partners here and there. Once I got out of college, it was virtually the same thing. Had a couple partners here and there. Partners meaning like friends with benefits yeah, kind of thing? Yeah. I've never gotten into anything serious. In 2017, which was one of the worst years of my life as far as relationships and emotions go, I fell madly in love with this girl. The most we ever did was make out. But I was playing Captain Save-A-Ho. You were Save head over here. Oh, man. And you are playing what? Captain Save-A-Ho. Okay. Definitely playing Captain Save-A-Ho. She was definitely dealing with a lot of very deep and dark demons uh, at that point in her life. And I thought, hey, I can be a light in her life. I can 
do all these things for her. I can be there for her. I don't know that I would particularly put too much of her business out, but I think you can use your imagination and think some of the worst things that a, a young... Yeah, that was really messing with your head. Yeah. Yeah, it was just behavior, really bad behavior out there with other... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd that hit you? I mean, you got to be saying it's one of the worst years, 2017. None of us like to know that our girl's out there with another guy that you're in love with or anything else and, and or dealing with their, their own their own bad behavior that's nothing to do with you. But how'd it hit you? How'd it land on you? It always made me feel like there was something wrong with me. It constantly kept me up at night thinking, oh, what can I do better? Can I do something more? What more can I do? More, 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 right? It was just always a constant battle of, I need to be doing something more. Because if I don't, I'll either lose whatever relationship I have with her or she'll completely think I'm useless. So what was some of the more? I can share some of that. Like, you know what I mean? Like put it in the real pictures. Dude. Oh man, I, I mean, I would show up to her work and be there when she felt scared. I'd bring her food if she needed it. It was always, anytime she called, even if, like, I felt horrible if I was, like, asleep. Like, now, there's nothing wrong with going to sleep at night. But right, I felt right. horrible the next morning if I missed a call from her, and it's like, oh, I, she was probably going through something. Well, I was, why didn't I wake up to the call? Yeah. Right, and it was just that constant just... And that's when a relationship really feels like hard work. It's almost like trying to fill up a, a hole that can't be filled and you're just constantly shoveling your love into something that is void, that cannot receive your love. And you're thinking, how many more hours can I put in? How much harder can I push this to get it to be right? Yeah. This was accompanied by basically the end of my football career before I started getting involved with this girl. So that was a depression of itself on top of fighting this battle. It was an injury kind of thing that yeah. just took you out of the game. and Yeah, I'm sure if I tried, I could have tried to go back, but I always told myself if I hurt myself real bad, I wouldn't even bother. I want to be able to play with my kids when right. I'm 45 years go. old, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that happened before you got involved with her. Yes. And so you were already kind of coming in pretty vulnerable, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. And pretty kind of humble. Yeah, and I think to a certain degree, I was looking for something to kind of fill that void, mm-hmm. something that I could put my time to that I had been putting 15 years of my life towards and now having to change what I'm putting my energy towards. And I think that kind of just opened the floodgates for that to all unfold. And you'd say that was your really first love then, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Crushed hard at least. Oh, man. It was, words wouldn't even be able to begin to explain the, the kind of love I felt for this girl and, and the love that I wanted her to feel for me, you know? That's the key part, isn't it? Like you know, the, the, when you feel that much for someone else, how much you just so deeply desire to have them feel that way back. Yeah, that's the, that's the magic of when it happens. So how long did that one last? I think at a certain point, it just became flat out infatuation. The love that I had slowly went away. I would say the last December of 2017. So from basically from March of that year, all the way through the year, I was feeling this deep love for this girl. And then in December, it turned into just an infatuation. And then it, it still continues on to this day. I'm still very much infatuated with her, but I've come to really be able to handle my emotions a lot better. In the moments where I feel sad about it, now I'm like, oh, well, that's not the end all be all of my life. What do you like about her the most? I mean, what is it, you know, beyond the chemistry that you might have with her, what really resonates and radiates with you? She's way, way stronger than she gives herself credit for. She's been through and is even still going through hardships that you look at her, you just wouldn't believe, right? You just get a blonde bombshell. You just, there's no way there's anything wrong with this girl, right? But as most sensible people know, those tend to be the ones that struggle 
a lot harder internally. And just her ability to fight through some of the demons she fought through in such a short amount of time. Some people go through what she goes through and it takes them 10, 15 years to come out on the other side. She did all that within the span of like two, three years. Wow. She, she ripped herself out of her situation, put herself in a very uncomfortable situation and battled those demons. And I believe she won. She probably wouldn't agree, but I definitely believe she won. And, and I am just... And when you say battling demons, what does that look like? I mean, we all have our different version of it, again, without necessarily, you know, putting her story totally on the narrative, but just what are battling demons look like for someone like that? Someone that you fall in love with. It looks like someone who, in their eyes, you can see that they know they can win, right? In their eyes, there's like this hint of, I can beat this, but the demeanor of their body and the words they speak are so negative and so like hindering on their ability to take the next step forward. And they are afraid to take steps because they feel like if they don't take a big step, it doesn't count. A quote that I can't remember who said this, but it was baby steps are better than no steps. You know, even if you just inch, you got somewhere. Right. I've always said base hits, you know, really appreciate base hits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of that, I mean, so this conviction, this is sincere conviction that you see in her that you know that, you know, she's, incredibly strong and you and that attracts you oh yeah but even when it shows up in bad behavior and self-sabotage how does that resonate to you then when you see it sounds like she self-sabotages herself at the same time right and uh, so yeah. when you see that happening what's your natural reaction to that and it sounds like when you say set captain Sabaho, it's also like rescuer you know is in general nowadays because me and her are still good friends okay nowadays i don't try to save her I see something, she'll say something or, or say, I'm going to do something or, hey, I'm going to go over here. And I will say, hey, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And then I leave it alone. And just be a good friend. Just give good counsel. No judgment. Right. Take it. And what kind of qualities do you think you would be looking for in the next woman? Sounds like you can have some friends and benefits and keep it light and, you know, have some sexual needs met. But, you know, being as discerning as you've been about relationship, what, what's the ideal one look like for you? Ideal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not paint it when you can? I mean, just take a moment and go, hmm, well, you know, it's just as you said, you know, for your philosophy background and choosing wisely with your words and stuff, this would be an opportunity to kind of articulate and manifest that. That's a great question. And I think since I haven't particularly been looking for anything, I haven't reflected on something like that. And I think this is a good opportunity to, to think about that and speak on that. I think it would be someone as a baseline uh, would be a good communicator at the very baseline. Because I'll be honest, and I've had conversation about sexual partners, physical intimacy and stuff like that. And I'm like, I love women that like women. And someone said, well, how would you feel if your girl wanted to bring another man into the relationship? I was I'd like, well, if she communicates that, I, there's no way if I'm going to want her to bring another woman into the relationship that if she wanted to do the opposite, that I'm just going to be a hypocrite about it. A double standard is what I always said. I was always like, if I, yeah, if I'm going to ask for that, I have to offer the same in return. I don't want to be double standard. So we can expand our range and be creative with our lusts and our interests. And, but you can't, it's not like you get to do this, but I don't get to do this kind of thing. Right. Okay. So a, a communicator is what you're saying. would be able to walk through those and navigate through those conversations in a healthy way and let you guys decide what you're, you're able to do. Yeah. And I think also on top of that, I'm a stubborn person. <laughs> As am I. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I will get stuck in my mode of thinking in, in certain situations and I won't back down from that. And I would hope I would come across someone who not only is able to communicate and say, hey, I think you're being stubborn, but also take a moment and let me be stubborn 
and then in another moment say, hey, we should talk about your stubbornness. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Force me to reflect on things that I don't particularly reflect about on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. That's a real engaged partner. I'm trying to think about kind of even some wording for that, right? But it's someone who gives us the space to be human and to blow up a little bit here and there, to be stubborn, cares about you enough to give you that space, but then also comes back around and firmly holds court that, hey, that was cool and all, but here's where we're at with it and grounded, I guess, in something a little bit more cohesive for you too, not just your stubborn point of view. Right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds like a healthy, evolved woman. <laughs> and, and and what else? Keep going. Why not? What else? Oh, man. Honestly, I'm not super high maintenance when it comes to that kind of stuff. Those may seem like, oh, well, good luck finding that. Right. Well, those aren't big asks, and that's kind of why we have this conversation, right? Yeah. Well, right, but generally speaking, well, at least in my experience and talking to people about stuff like that, that's a big ask, generally speaking. I know. Now, let's talk about that, because that's fucked up. Yeah. Because what you just said, it seems like, and you just said base, right? Yeah. I mean, you're just like, and there's a base. I just need to have somebody who actually has some empathy, who's actually caring enough to kind of give the relationship the proper space, but also the proper commitment and communicate with me like an adult, like a human, right? And now we're saying, well, that just doesn't happen much out there. <laughs> I mean, people are having a hard time finding that. And my son's saying the same thing. What's the opposite? What are they doing? They're mind fucking each other. They're, I mean, what they're, they are, right? People are mind fucking each other. Oh, for sure. This is the really messed up part is they don't even know it. Most people have no idea how bad they're mind fucking someone else until that someone else actually tells them, hey, I'm being mind fucked by you right now. Can you stop? And I attest a lot of that to this technological era. There's a very big social disconnect where if you're at odds with somebody, you can just block them on social media. Now you don't have to deal with it. You don't have to talk about it no more right? Now the communication does not exist, right? It's just easy as a click as a button. And I think a lot of people are drawn into that because it's easier, which I, you know, I don't blame people for that. I think it's nice to have technology. I think it's nice that people enjoy that stuff. Uh, But when it comes to our, like our interpersonal relationships, it's like, bro, come on. Relationship cancel culture. (laughs) You can just push a button and you're just gone. You can't talk anymore. It doesn't matter how long we've been together, how how much we've been through, you're out and I can replace you with a flip of a switch on Tinder or Bumble and boom, next one in. Exactly. So I've been saying that that's no devotion. I think that we've lost a level of what once was devotion in relationship. And I'm just still developing this material myself, right? But a relationship in my mind, you're supposed to be choosing if you're going to be in an intimate relationship with each other to choose to be devoted to each other. And in devotion, it's devotion is the space where you learn how to communicate better. It is the space where you learn what each other's needs are. It is the space where you hold each other accountable for their poor actions or their good actions and have each other's back, right? What seems so weird is that's so elusive to find now. Like that used to be kind of the standard base of why people got married and and created a life together. It's dangerous. To a lot of people, it's dangerous. And, And that's been a battle with me. I've thought about relationships, not on the forefront, but it's one of those things where it's like when I come across somebody that I may be interested in and just kind of talk to, get to know, it's saddening because I'm not mad at them for being so blocked off and not willing to take that step. But that is also what keeps me from wanting to even really step out there because it's just like, it's a lot of work. And it's not that I don't want to put in the work. It's just like, now I'm putting in the wrong work. Right. I'm willing to put in the work and talk and see if we like each other, this, that, and the third. But what I'm not willing to do is 
not only fight my insecurities, but try and maneuver around yours. Right. You know? Exactly. It's just not worth it. Yeah, we're all like a walking time bomb on some, some level, right? Like a, we can just push each other's buttons and trigger each other and, and we get, I don't know, yeah, dating. It's like, how's dating in Florida? Is it, or Florida women in general? How, what's your take Ooh. on that? Hmm. Florida women in general. Because Florida women have a lot to say about Florida men, so I, I think you should be able to say what you want about Florida women. I've got some opinions well, now about I, Florida women, that's for sure. I think but. it's because they know most Florida men won't say too much about Florida women that they just say what they want about Florida men. I see. <laughs> Okay, from what I see, women in Florida, because everything is, tends to be very uh, a lax in general, it's a very slow, people just like to kind of go with the flow, most women don't seem to find anything wrong with the way they go with the flow. So you may be going with the flow down a river, and you decide, I'm going to stop right here real quick. While I'm kind of floating with you, but you're not telling me you're stopping right there and I, it's too late for me to stop. Right. You know? Wow. And I'm still going. And then now I'm trying to stop, but I'm way ahead of you now. Right. You know, but you stopped way back here, uh, but they don't find anything wrong with that. Right. <laughs> Jeez, right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, it's my, it's, it's my float. I right. can go where I want to. I was like, yeah, it's fine, but I'm supposed to be floating with you. Wow. That's powerful, man. That's poetry. That really landed home for me. I got to tell you. And you've also said, though, before, it's petrifying. So I think, you know, just the, the petrifying of the kind of the fear of intimacy in the sense that, and the fear of this kind of getting back into a situation where you know people are just going to stop and go and go wherever they want, when they want, and there is no real harmony, no rhythm, no, yeah. no sacred flow, I guess is what I'd like to call it. Like, hey, if we're going to go on this walk together, we're going to hold some sacred space for us to enjoy this walk together or for this float together. But if people are operating so distant, I guess what you're saying too. You can feel their distance in that. Oh yeah. And then we have to not be hurt by it because we just know that's the way they flow down here. Right. And having done a small time in, in Ohio, that was really a big culture shock for me when I went up there. The women up there are like someone like me who looks like someone like me in basically a village and operating the way I do having been down here all my life. I'm a very big intimidation factor. Because as much as I'm really a good dude, I carry myself the way Florida people do. I'm just kind of like, oh, well, if this happens, whatever. You know, I'll deal with it. There it's like, it's a little bit more panicked. And most women up there try to have a very uh, strong schedule, if you will, of how things should go. And if it doesn't go according to that schedule, it, it's a big deal. Which I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you're engaged up there. Yeah. Like they're not, you know, oh, yeah. they're engaged. They're like, hey, if this is going to happen, then I want it to feel right. Let's see if we can make this feel right. Yeah. And me being so used to just kind of like, hmm. Right. You just kind of, yeah, da da da, yeah. really? And they're like, you missed the boat on that one. Yeah. You're like, again. And I'm like, damn it. I, yeah. That's just not where I come from. Right. right. But you said you noticed a real difference, at least in, in the culture of, of that. And so and that happens everywhere. I mean, I think there's, a, there's kind of a combination of all men are the same and all women are the same, but there is cultural difference, obviously, across the board, planetarily. And then there's ethnic upbringings and there's, and then just generally, you know, like Midwestern girls who I, I found, you know, are more one to settle down and get married and stay married. Right. You know, and, uh, I, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, this is another interesting point that I, to that is something I had to learn about having fallen in love before. And people tell me, oh, you'll find the one, right? People tell you that. They say, oh, she'll come around. You won't even know, but you'll know when it happens. That made me realize, 
oh, there's more than one, the one. There's more than one. And that's what people won't tell you. It's like, because I, I guarantee you go to some people's marriages who really aren't that happy. They're like, well, I thought they were the one. Well, in that moment where you're like, you think this person is the one, you don't know that they're not because you believe they are. But nobody told you, hey, you can find another, the one. 7.8 billion people out there. Right, 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 <laughs> you know right. Yeah, yeah. And once I put that into perspective, I was like, oh, wow, getting hurt isn't that bad anymore. Right. You know, it's interesting, you know, it reminds me as you talk about this is like you kind of speak to the point that you, you kind of let a relationship just happen to you. It's like a person just shows up in your life and they're going to maybe be someone like you're not pursuing it for one, obviously. And you haven't put yourself together like a major checklist of what your woman needs. And you're not putting yourself in kind of navigating yourself to the places where you might find that woman. I know that that's how I operated forever. I was just kind of like living my life and then whoever, whatever relationship a woman would fall into my world and the chemistry was there and the energy was there and the interest was there, I would just kind of go down that direction. And that took me down a lot of rabbit holes that I probably should have avoided, I think, right? If I had been a little bit more clear with myself and with them as to what my own interests were in regards to getting involved with another partner or the woman, you know? Well, what's actually a lot more beautiful with that than most people would think is that those rabbit holes are very, very important. It's a good reminder. It is. It, it, they're, they're important, right? You can take major relationships, major falling outs. Oh, I got a big lesson out of that, right? But even if you take the small ones, because I will always take some quotes from some of my coaches, attention to detail is super important, I think, in life. And when you take those small moments, those small rabbit holes that you go down and you pay attention to how they were formed, where they were formed, with whom they were formed with, then the next time you go down a rabbit hole, you go down a, a little bit slower right? and more meticulous. I'm on the page with you on that. You can't grandfather an experience is one of the quotes that one of my mentors told me, right? And those rabbit holes definitely are the ones who help us really navigate more mindfully moving after afterwards. Now, this is the truth is love season. So we did kind of just a random launch season where we kind of, it's always about relationship, but right now it's like, I find that the radical truths or the radical lies are what are really fucking up relationships. So, and I've been thinking about truth is love a lot and working it back and forth. And what I realized is that it's important for me to know the truth about my partner. You know, everybody can have some privacy, but in general, and generally the framework, I have a certain principle to where I expect to know she's experiencing communicating with other men or looking as she's going to go off on the side of the, the river, like you said, and just park over there for a little bit. I'm like, no, we're on a river trip together. We don't get to just do that. Or the truth is important to me in, right? And it's important out, right? Like I want to be able to speak as truthfully as I possibly can in life, right? Fearlessly. So in that I find, wow. So when I hear and I hear lies being revealed or something, or I see them, you know, kind of showing up initially, I'm, of course, I'm going to be insulted. Oh Yeah. But I started to realize I'm not so much mentally insulted. I'm insulted because of the kind of emotional bond that two people are supposed to share in a relationship. Right. And that those lies are taking something from me subconsciously, something spiritually that I wasn't aware of mentally. Yeah. And that's not right in a relationship. And so I need to know that shed light on those truths and I need to be healed of them and then we can move on. But lies are not okay in relationship. And therefore even radical truth is even more important in relationship too. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, that is a lot. Ooh, that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, that is. That is. <laughs> I like to go from the bottom up, so I'll go with radical lies. Nowadays, I don't look at them, just like most things, you don't look at them the same way you used to. Now, it's more, I don't blame myself no more. 
Uh, for what? Uh, if someone else lies. Okay. I will forever and always, from a couple years ago on, take responsibility for any lie I told. But when a lie comes out from another person, because it's easy to be like, well, why would this person lie to me? What did I do to make them feel like they had to lie to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, walk us through that. Because I feel like that way. Yeah. But it, you don't. You're able to kind of put up... Uh, it hurts. It, it, it's always going to hurt. There's no way to avoid the pain of someone you care about lying to you. There's no way to avoid that. What you can't avoid is the downward spiral of what's wrong with me. Why am I being lied to? When the perfectly fine question is, why are you lying? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, right. what What brought you to this? You know, and that's the question I ask. Uh, and I don't just, you know, why lie? You know, that, that's, that's too blanketed. That's too general. What made you get here? You know, what happened? That's good. And it makes that person reflect on that lie. And if they don't want to reflect, then I'll be honest. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. If you're not willing to think about that, and especially if we care about each other the way we say we do, then you should be willing to explain that. Because as much as I'm also on board with, you know, nobody really owes you any sort of explanation. If we're in this saying we care about each other, I think to a certain extent we do owe uh, some form of explanation, right? Um, as for me, when I lie, when I have lied, and, and someone has called me out on that, since I'm a bit more of an empath, I think it hits harder. I know people that can lie and they don't blink twice, right? And someone calls, why you lie? Oh, I don't give a damn. And yeah, they really don't. Um, but for me, it's like, oh man, you're right. Now I'm asking, now why am I lying? Why did I lie about that? Did I not want to hurt you in that moment? Or did I not want to hurt myself? Or did I not want to hurt both of us? We stumble on a lie every once in a while on ourselves, you know? We don't do it often, but like you do find yourself, and I've done that, you know, recently. It was like, why did I lie about that? That's that's so weird. But you have to ask yourself the question. Sorry, carry on. Now it feels better, not lying, of course, but it feels better to uh, be able to take responsibility because at the end of the day, I think most people just want someone to take responsibility. And the pride of people is what I think keeps that from happening. So now I make it a point to be the first one to take responsibility in the middle of a situation where either rumors are being spread, lies are being told. Even if I'm not even the perpetrator there, if there's a moment where I could have done something about it, I will own that. That's kind of the turn a blind eye thing too, right? We can't really turn a blind eye to if we're involved in a lie, even if we're not the one that's being projected on, we're also responsible for it. For sure. And once you tell one, my grandmother used to said, you're going to tell 10. You got to follow your lie all the way out. And pride is a motherfucker is what I found. People from their pride just cannot take that moment to say, why did I do that? I owe you that. That kind of accountability is such a sweet love. Like I've gotten that from friends of mine who... Shared, I think in the story once before, but I had like a, a dear friend that I've worked with for years and he was editing a, a piece for us for uh, Casablanca Morocco Jazz Festival. And all of a sudden I come down and I see his head in his hands and he's, and I'm looking like, what's up? And like the deadline I think is like tomorrow. And he's like, everything's gone. All the, all the work we've done is gone. And of course I'm as a business owner, like, well, how and what, and where's the backup and da, 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 da. And he's like, I don't know. I might've just hit a wrong button and might've just blown out. And at that moment, it was like a release valve happened for me. And I realized that's that same level of release valve, that same level of truth or accountability, or, you know, I didn't have to think about, and like what you were just saying of getting out in the head, I didn't have to think about the worst, you know, while I'm asking him questions about what I already know, he obviously knows that there's no backup or he wouldn't be having this, this look, right? Instead, he, he went right ahead of it and said, I'm going to fucked up somehow. 
and completely done this with, and that's it. And it just made such a huge, profound impact on me. And then to that day, that is the kind of candor I would love to, to manifest in my relationships. You know, and in my relationship, my intimate relationship, is that we can be truly honest with each other back and forth. Yeah, it saves a lot of energy, man. That's the key, the energy, man. Yes, yeah, sidebar, I don't sleep very well. So my energy levels, I'm not going to say they're detrimentally low, but now I very easily pick and choose what I put my energy towards. So if I feel like I have to do something or I have to swindle this person, I'm not even going to do it. It's way too much energy. It's more than it's worth at the end of the day. It's not affecting my character as a person, whatever the outcome would be. Lying does. But the outcome of whatever I'm lying about is not going to affect my... Right, right, right. Absolutely. So why? Why am I even going to do it? And that's the... So that's good. I think you took us down a nice avenue there of the uh, kind of radical lies and kind of how to disarm ourselves a bit from them and make them not so painful. But part of that is also participating and putting it back in people's face and saying, here, it's up to you if you want to look at this and let's get ahead of this because this is what's happening and I see it because I'm an empath, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so are you going to own it? And if you're not, then okay, go on your way. If you are, then we still have the potential to walk through this. The lying isn't the wrong part. It's the why and how do we get here? I think that's a really powerful and, and really su you know, sweet way to look at it for the other person. I really am going to take that as a good takeaway as I fumble in those kinds of situations with my partner. I will also want to take the moment to not be mad. And so why did the lie happen to me and be a child about it, right? And why would you do this to me? It is, to what your point said, was really nice, is what got you here? Yeah. And we know that from our own lies. For sure. And we have to ask ourselves the same question. And they may not want to give you that answer. And if they don't, there's nothing we can do about that. Right. Control what you can control. Once you, If you can, at the end of the day, say, I put all the chips on the table, I did what I could, you have to be okay with that. I get you, man. This is a perfect podcast for me. I love it. <laughs> and so now let's go into radical honesty. Then what do you think? What's fair game there? Radical truth. Uh, radical that, truth. Yeah. yeah, thank you. It's so easy to just be like, oh, well, you just be honest. But I don't think just saying that does it much justice, as I'm sure you would agree. No, it doesn't, because it doesn't happen. It just, just doesn't happen, right? Like you have to make a point of being radical truth. Right. And I think your story of your friend in that in that business a mishap is probably a really good prime example it's like to a certain extent we probably couldn't lie about that but excuses could definitely be made exactly a million of them right and most anyone else i would have worked with would have come up with all those first i think the first step to epitomizing that radical truth is being okay within your insecurity like being okay with being jealous right? Being okay with being a little mean sometimes. It is other people's responsibility to hold me accountable. Um, it's also my responsibility to be able to be held accountable. And to be self-expressed is what you're saying. You know, to be human. Yeah. It's okay to be human. Yeah, absolutely. That's a level of honesty that it doesn't come outright. You know, the words of I messed up, sure. Sure. But to be able to be okay with that is not just it doesn't come out naturally to most people because nobody wants to be wrong. And even on the other end, nobody wants to let certain people down. I think that's a double-edged sword to a certain degree, right? Because you can be too honest. Um, there's certain things you don't necessarily have to lie about, but you don't have to feel like you owe certain things. If they're a liar and they're trying to make you, bring you down to their level, uh, you don't have to explain why you're not at their level. Strong, strong speak, yeah. So I think, yeah, that just being okay with being 
a human being. I love that, man. It's so simple always, right? And sometimes you have to walk through these little navigated conversations, get off on the fringe a little bit, stretch our brains out, get our neurons fire, and then just go back to the basics again of it's okay to be a human. And the more kind of transparent and volunteering we are of ourselves and our humanness, that means we're not guarded. That means we're not pushing away intimacy. Into me, you see, right? We're saying, into me, you see, I will show you. So you get to choose. This is me. Instead of putting up the facades and playing the games and trying to be guarded and using the humor to bring down important conversations and, you know, avoiding. If there's a level of avoidance that a lot of relationships suffer from. I think they don't want to confront their relationship. And so they kind of live in their own bubbles in it. Yeah, because it's comfortable. Because it gets comfortable. And I think that's another thing that people, as we've discussed, is people are kind of, can be very selfish. And, you know, we're all naturally selfish, but too much of anything is a bad thing, like you said, right? So if you're really selfish, it's the same thing with comfort, I think, as well. It's like people really do like comfort. Absolutely. Right? And I forget about that. I'm, I'm terribly, <laughs> I, I'm really to, to create and destroy at any given moment. I, I try not to get too comfortable. I feel like that's well, kind of it's, death. It's, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's so it's one of those things where what do you mean by comfortable right well comfort comes in many forms is a comfortable home comfortable financially and you know being too comfortable in your own home keeps you from experiencing things out there too comfortable financially allows you to lose that humility that you had beforehand if you didn't have it beforehand and then emotions is like if you're too comfortable with your emotions you lose your empathy it's a dangerous game, I think, to a certain degree. But I think when you're able to have a situation that elicits some sort of emotion or, or allows you to catch that moment and say, hey, oh, hold on a second. Let me think about this. And I noticed this amongst kids who like to argue, go back and forth. If you don't come back quick enough, you lost the argument. And I said, well, no, that's not true. <laughs> I'm allowed to think for a second. Right, exactly. You know? Yeah. Practice the pause, as they say. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, I think we're at a really good uh, closing point here. You want to leave it, our audience with you know your last love truth for us all? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I know it's so you know. Yeah, slightly on the spot, but it's okay. On the spot. <laughs> it's okay. We'll make it work. Don't let someone else dictate what love is for you. Allow people to guide you, but don't let them be the end all, be all of of how you maneuver. Allow yourself to reflect on yourself. A lot of people will want to give you their advice and say, if you don't do this, then you're wrong. But I think the good friends in your life and the good people in your life will say, hey, you can try this. If it doesn't work out, I'll still be here for you. And if you go to them, say, hey, I want to try this. They'll say, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll still be here for you. So I think as far as love, truth, and lies go, I think just those kind of relationships is very important. Bad to the bone. We're going to do more of these. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Did you like your first one? Oh, uh, yeah. This was, this was exciting. I wasn't as nervous as I thought I was going to be. You shouldn't. You didn't look nervous at all. It was <laughs> awesome. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. That's some good shit. It's been beautiful. All right. Next time. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. Mixed messages. Mixed messages, 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 messages.